deeper love and fellowship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Somebody could, if you could give God a hand clap. Where I came up and when I, when I was a little boy, they used to sing a song that said, one more time, one more time, he allowed us to come together one more time. And it is indeed one more time that God has allowed us um, to come into a corporate body and to be able to study the word for all of you who are online or on our podcast that are uh, listening. We want to say God bless you. And we're so glad that you're taking the time to break the bread of life with us. We are continuing in our series, our Wednesday night series on Ephesians, studying the book of Ephesians. And Paul is giving some very vital things to the Christians at Ephesus, Christians who live in a very antagonistic culture towards the gospel. They live in a very secularized culture. They live in a culture that is not Christocentric. And Paul is giving them information that will both fortify them and encourage them to let them know how to live the spiritual life. And we have spent this part of the series building, as Paul often does in his books, on the foundations of our faith. By now, hopefully, you've been able to follow along with us and you've been able to see how God has worked through the generations to bring about his ultimate plan, which was to bring one glorious church, the Jew and the Gentile, together. And tonight we're going to conclude uh, our first section of this series and go into the next section next week by finishing up with a beautiful prayer that Paul has in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 20. And I'm going to read it, and I'd like you to read it with me as well. Ephesians chapter 3, starting at verse 14 and going uh, through 20. And it says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how deep, high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now... To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is in work with us, within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know, it's said that man can live, and it's often quoted, for 40 days without food. A man can live for about three days without water, about eight minutes without air, give or take, depending on the person and, and their body type and the special giftings God has given them. But they can only live one second without hope. Hope is the thing that keeps us going. Hope is the thing internally that keeps us pushing for something greater. Many times the difference between people who may survive in a hospital and those who simply do not survive is simply that one word, hope. 
that it's important that there's something on the inside of us that keeps us going and keeps us motivated to, as they used to say where I came up, to keep on keeping on to keep going and fighting the good fight of faith. And as Paul concludes this first part of his letter to the Ephesians, he prays this beautiful prayer. And I'm going to break down this prayer in just a moment as he prays it. It is an awesome prayer. And he begins to let them know, first, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. He is letting them know something. He is letting them know that all of us are one family in Christ Jesus. That's important for us to know. He says, before heaven and earth and from whom the whole body derives its name. That is a powerful statement because Paul is praying for spiritual empowerment. And if any time in the world now the church needs something, it's a quickening of the spirit of God. A lot of times we, we, we teach philosophies and we teach all sorts teach self-help, but many times we find ourselves in Christendom powerless because we don't often talk anymore about the Spirit of God and the empowerment of God and, and how God can come inside of you and the Holy Spirit can empower you. So Paul is praying for them in this segment for spiritual empowerment. Spiritual empowerment is desperately needed in the church today. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't mind seeing somebody have hands laid on them and they recover. I wouldn't mind having somebody have hands laid on them in sickness and sadness and depression begin to leave them. I wouldn't mind the spirit working and manifesting itself in the believers today and people coming to Christ at record numbers because of the working of the power of the spirit on the inside of us. It's not, there's nothing wrong with building technology. There's nothing wrong with doing things to make sure you keep up with current trends and current traditions. There's nothing wrong with changing the way we dress and not having to wear a suit to church all the time. There's nothing wrong with wearing jeans or, 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 or being, being a little bit casual. God is not concerned about those things, but what he is concerned about is not more the external as he is the internal. He's concerned about the condition of our heart and our spiritual attitude. And Paul is letting them know that we are one spiritual family. And family is such a powerful word that he is using. It goes beyond just the gathering or an assembly. It goes beyond just that assembly. And it denotes a deeper bond that goes beyond all dividing lines. In other words, when you're family, other things can be erased. We all have those family members that we love, but we don't like to invite over, but we still invite them over. Why? Because they're family and we grin and bear it. Why? Because family makes us overlook those things about them that we really could stand to do without, but we are connected by a common bond and that common bond cannot be broken. So it causes us to overlook certain things they do and certain things they say and certain ways they live. Why? Because we love them and there is a bond that's shared between us that cannot be erased. And it is the same in the body of Christ that all of us have 
things that are not becoming to the other person. You can't be around a person all the time without sometimes, let's be real, people getting on your nerves. We all have different ideologies in this room. We all have different political leanings and probably different philosophies about life, but why? how do we come and be concentric? Because we all agree on one thing, Jesus Christ and him crucified and the empowerment of his spirit in us. And because we come together, God has made us a spiritual family. So it doesn't matter where you were raised or where you came up. It doesn't matter what your color, your creed is. It doesn't matter if you're a blue collar worker or a white collar worker or a no worker at all. We have a common bond in Jesus Christ, a powerful bond that cannot be broken. That's, that's important for us to know because many of us will often say, I don't have much family. But if you are a member of a local assembly or a church body or a body of Christ, that could never be more untrue. Because if you have a church family, how many of you know that sometimes the people in your church are closer to you than some people that you share blood bond with? That God has called us sometimes closer to the people in which we worship than sometimes the people with which we share DNA. And if you're in a church family, a healthy church family, you should never be alone. Because we are to, the Bible calls us to what? Bear one another's burdens, to be there for one another, to lean on one another. Paul is praying this beautiful prayer. He says, for this reason that I kneel before the father from whom his whole family, not part of his family or the part of the family that you like or the part of the family that you agree with, but his whole family in heaven and on earth derive its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. That's a powerful statement because Christ wants to strengthen us in our innermost being. There's one thing to have strength without, but there's another thing to have strength within. I'm a musician and I often remember the song that said, there's something within me holding the reins. What does that mean? That life can get tough. Life can make you want to quit sometimes. Life can make you want to give up. But when Christ gives you spiritual empowerment on the inside, the Bible says, that he will give you a quickening and new life and give you the ability to go forward when other people would give up. Some, many times, I'm sure the disciples would want to give up. Many times, I'm sure that they would want to stop what they're doing, but there was something on the inside of them by the empowering of the Spirit that made them say that I want to go forward. I feel like going forward. I'm not going to feel like going forward tomorrow, but if I don't feel like it, I still got God's word and his spirit overriding and saying, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It is very easy to run, duck, and take cover in this post-Christian society in which we live where the majority of people aren't Christian, and if they are Christian, they aren't practicing Christians, and they are Christians, many of them in name only, it's easy to run, duck, cover, and take 
hide. Why? Because you are no longer in the majority. Your opinion is no longer in the majority. What you think about life and what you think about family is no longer in the majority. And if you are not careful, you can find yourself running and ducking and taking cover and hiding. Why? Because you feel like you're overwhelmed. You feel like you're lost and you feel like you're all out in the world by yourself. But I've come to tell you that I pray today, just like Paul prayed for them, that God gives you a quickening in your innermost being, that God strengthens you and he fortifies you on the inside, that he empowers not just the outward appearance, but he empowers the inner man. In order for him to empower the inner man, it takes humility. It takes a childlike faith and a dependence on God and an acknowledgement that the dependence will strengthen our souls and give us new resolve. In other words, there are some things in the world that a life coach cannot fix. There are some things in the world that your friends or popular culture cannot fix. There are some things that wisdom and philosophies and psychology cannot fix. They're all great and they have their place, but there are sometimes you've got to trust and depend on the Spirit of God to heal the broken innermost part of your being. Has anybody ever been broken and people are uh, and you've ever lost a loved one or you ever gone through a great trial and you hear people tell talking to you and you hear them talking to the Bible and you know the scriptures yourself, but there is a dichotomy between what you believe and how you feel. And you want to be honest with God and say, God, I know what the word says, but this is how I feel. I know your word says that I'm more than a conqueror and that you have not given us the spirit of fear, but God, I feel the spirit that somebody else has obviously put on me and I'm fearful right now about what I'm about to undertake and what I'm about to to go through and life seems tough and I, Lord I've tried my friends I've tried popular culture I've tried to listen to podcasts I've tried to listen to all sorts of self-help and I still can't get a calmness and now I've finally given up how many of you know God can't help you until you have enough humility to realize that you can't fix your own problem you don't have the power to fix your own problem. You might cover it up. Many people might run from state to state or city to city and place to place and town to town and say, if I had a new job, things might be a little different. If I change scenery, things might be a little different. If I did this and you find them going from place to place, always unstable and never finding a place to light. But the problem is that you are you wherever you go. And you can run, but you cannot hide. And the only way that you're going to find true life-lasting change is if you begin to humble yourself and tell God, I know I can't do it by myself. I need to be dependent on you. I hear an old hymn saying, I came to Jesus as I was. I was weary, wounded, and sad, but I found in him a resting place, and he has made me glad. You have to learn to come to Jesus in a transparent way, to take off all the religious Christianities and uh, Christianisms and the way we talk and trying to impress God by the words and the scripture we use and be real with God and say, God, I'm not doing good today. 
God, I'm, I'm discouraged today. God, I'm having some issues today, and I need you to heal me in the places in which I can't find healing. He wants to strengthen us. He wants to help us in those broken places. And we need the Holy Spirit for true, lifelong, lasting change. He says in verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. We're going to stop right there. Because when you look at the word that he uses, that Christ may dwell. Many of us have had visitors and you know when visitors show up unannounced and you see them getting out of the car and maybe you haven't cleaned up like you need to clean up and you start grabbing stuff and you start throwing it in that one room everybody has in the house. You know that one room you pretend that doesn't exist all the rest of the house is clean but the, the, when you wash clothes, all the clothes go in that room. When you do something else, everything else goes in that room and if somebody walks to that door to go to the bathroom, you say, no, no, not that door. Why? Because all your junk and all your mess is in that room and you don't want anybody anybody else have a room like that you don't want anybody else to go in that room and you can hide from visitors why because they're only going to be there for a minute and you can control what rooms they go in you can control where they go and where they don't go but this word dwell does not indicate that Christ is going to be a temporary visitor but it indicates that Christ is coming to live with you why is that important? Because you can't hide stuff alone from somebody who's living in the same space. Because they get in all the places that you don't want them to get in. They get in all the spaces that are uncomfortable and they see you before you put on your makeup. They see you when you take off your church clothes and put on your raggedy t-shirt. They see you when, you when you're at your lowest and when you're not looking the best and the most presentable. And what Paul is saying is that I pray that God dwells in you. He lives in you. And what are you saying? That he sees the stuff that other people don't want to be seen. Yeah, if you're honest, we all have that stuff, don't we? He's saying, I pray that Christ is not just a temporary visitor in your house and that you see him on Sunday morning and you don't see him again. But I pray through your devotional time and through your private quiet time and through your private prayer time that you allow the word of God and the spirit of God to read your mail and to be able to dwell in your heart and to correct you when you're wrong and encourage you when you're down. Paul is saying that I pray that being rooted and established in God that you might have power together with all the saints. Hmm. We must be honest with him and show him every aspect of our lives. We must be open and vulnerable and honest before the Lord. And when we do this, we will become rooted and established. And this is not a knock on anybody. But you know how sometimes many people come to the altar. They just have to struggle with something for a while. And our altars are open. But a lot of times the reason people keep coming to the altar is because they will not be honest with themselves. They look at God and they lie to God because they feel like if I tell you what's really wrong with me and what's really going on in my heart, you wouldn't accept me. If I told you that I sing on the praise team or that I usher and I'm a deacon, but I got a person that I really can't stand. You can't handle that, God. You can't handle the real me. 
We think God is Jack Nicholas. You can't handle the truth. We, we think God can't handle who we are, but I come to give you a spoiler alert. He already knows. You're turmoiling in your spirit, trying to hide from God what he already knows. He didn't ask Adam where he was so he could find out where Adam was. He asked Adam where he was so Adam could survey himself and say, where have I ended up? He wants to dwell in your innermost being. And in order for you to be helped and God to really strengthen you on the inside, you've got to have some uncomfortable conversations and be honest with God and say, there are some things in my life, God, I've been walking with you for 50 years, but I still have a nasty attitude sometimes. I've been walking with you for 20 years, but I still do some dishonest stuff every now and then. We've been walk I've been walking with you, God, for a long time. And, and I know that person called me and I didn't pick up the phone and when they and I didn't want to talk to them and when they asked me did you get my phone call I lied and said no I didn't see it at all God I don't have any there's some untruth in me and if I want to grow closer to you I've got to be honest that I have not yet apprehended and I need you to be in my innermost being and I never get there. And that's the glory and that's the joy of the walk is that when you find things that God wants to purge from you, it lets you know that you have relationship with him. Because the Bible says that nobody chastises somebody else's child, that the father only chastises and chastens and corrects those whom he loves. So if you're receiving the father's correction, that means you are also receiving the father's approval that you are his. And Paul is saying that I pray that God will strengthen you, but you got to be honest with him. He knows. Verse 18, he says, I'm going to start a little bit before verse 18 to, to start because he ramps up before he gets there. And he says, I pray in verse 17 that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints. Not just one saint, not just two saints, but there is power in corporate worship. When all God's children get together, we are one family. We are not separated and on an island by ourselves, but we are connected and bonded by love. And he says that you may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Now, anybody who was thinking for a second, would have a problem with that statement. Why? Because God is unknowable to an extent. He is omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent. God is so big that he cannot be contained in the finite human mind. And Paul is saying that I want you to be able to research just how high his love is, how wide his love is, how deep his love is. And he knows that we can never be able to truly grasp the true love of the father who sent his son to die for us. So what is he saying? It's important for us to think about that because many times we get caught up in talking just about the wrath of God. 
(laughs) It's necessary to know that God has wrath, but your strength doesn't come from focusing on God's wrath. Your strength comes from focusing on his love. The Bible says, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. God's love is the power that draws us. I'm drawn to the scripture in Psalms 30, uh, verse 5, and it says this, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. We need to know that we have a God that has unsearchable riches of love. And if you're feeling and listening to this and you're feeling alone and you're feeling unloved, I've come to tell you that there is a God who is so obsessed with you coming to him that the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 55 that it pleased him to crush his own son, to give you away back to him. He wants to know you. He wants to fellowship with you. He's gone to immeasurable lengths just to love you. Hmm. Paul's hope is that we would get a sense of the scope of God's love. This is literally unfathomable, but our minds are limited to describe God or his love. There is, but what he's really trying to get us to see is that there is no space in our lives where God's love cannot reach. So there is no fathomable place since we can't fathom how deep God's love is. Guess what? If we can't imagine how deep his love is, that means there's no place we can go and no place low enough that we can get that his love is not there. If we get off course and go to the left or to the right, we can't fathom a place that we can go far enough that God's love will not reach us. If we get high-minded and walk away just for a little bit, we can't get so high that God's love will not reach us. David put it this way. He said, where can I go? from your presence. He said, if I make my bed in Sheol, even in the grave, you're there. He said, if I fly like a dove on the wings of the morning, still you're there. Paul is saying, I pray that you know just how loved you are, that you realize that if mama will forsake you, if daddy forsakes you, I know we have situations where we don't have perfect family lives, and we don't always have the perfect father or the perfect mother, and many times we will sit and pass pain and not move forward because of what they said and what they did. But I hear David saying, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord, he will take me up. There is no place of hurt that you have that God's love cannot reach and God's love cannot heal. And Paul is saying, I pray that you get that concept today. You can't go higher than God. You can't go lower than God. You can't go around God. And if his love is there, it's everywhere. And it's all encompassing. Somebody who's listening to my voice now and who is listening to my voice in the future, I'm letting you know right now at this moment, you feel like you're unworthy of love. You feel like giving up. But guess what? We're all unworthy of love. We're all worthy of giving up, but that's why it's mercy. We didn't deserve it. And God decided to love people that didn't deserve it. It had nothing to do with how good you are. It had everything to do with how good he is. Thank you, God. Mm. 
whether you are high or low, John's, God's love is there. The enemy will try to separate you from the awareness of God's love. This will leave you in despair. We find ourselves feeling alone and hopeless. And if he can disconnect you from the source of power, you are virtually powerless. I'm looking at this confidence monitor down here. And every now and then, I don't have to turn around because when the scriptures you see on the screen, I can see them right there. It's a powerful tool and it's a wonderful tool unless somebody trips over the cord. And then what would be helpful will leave me helpless. You've got to have the power of God in your innermost being because his power is the source that gives us life. Without that, we are what we talked about earlier in the series, spiritual paperweights. You've got to have the power of God on the inside. And I pray for you, just like Paul was praying for the Ephesian church. I know you're in an antagonistic environment, but I pray that God's love so overtakes you that it's overwhelming to you. That when you think about how much God loves you and how much he's done for you, you just start crying and you can't talk anymore. When you think about what you've done and what you really deserve, but God loves you anyway and he knew that you were going to do it, that while you were yet a sinner, he sent his son to die for you, knowing what you would have done. How dare you not forgive yourself and God is already forgiving you. How dare you hold it over yourself when his blood has already paid the price. His blood has already set you free. And if the sun makes you free, you are truly free. You are free indeed. Thank you, Jesus. The enemy doesn't stop. In John 10 and 10, God lets us know. He said that the thief comes and he comes to kill and he comes to steal and he comes to destroy. And he's always whispering in your ear, just like Job's friends, reminding you of why you're in the shape you're in, reminding you that you can't get out, reminding you that there's no hope for you. He's trying to take all the hope out of your life. He's trying to take all the joy out of your life because once hope and joy leave, you are essentially a confidence monitor with no plug, but God said, I'm not going to let him do it because I have come that you might have life and not just any old life, but have life to the full, to the fullest extent. I don't want you to just have joy. I want you to have unspeakable joy. He said, joy, I give to you peace. I give to you. I don't want you to have just any old regular peace, not like the world gives, but I'm going to give you a peace that passes any type of a mortal understanding. Amen. God's gifts are much better than the world's gifts. And he says that a loving father gives good gifts to his children. Paul is praying a powerful prayer to these Ephesians. I want to let you know that a consistent fellowship with God will help us to combat those images and those things of depression and those things of loneliness and those things of low self-value and low self-worth. A consistent fellowship like we talked about Sunday will help us combat those issues and it's, it's vital that we become intimate with God. I long for a day when this room is filled with people who are praying and nobody is conversing about what happened the week to week. We'll catch 
up later, but while I'm in the presence, I'm sorry, I got to get into the presence of God right now. I've had you for six days. I'll talk to you when I get back, but right now while we're in corporate worship, I want to spend this time talking to Jesus. I hear that song saying, all day long, I've been with Jesus. God is looking for a church who is more into him than they are into themselves. <laughs> He's into a church that wants him more than they want houses and cars and land. He's into a church. He wants a church that wants to go back to the old time way of seeking him in prayer and seeking him in fellowship and having a true, genuine connection. It might not look like it looked 50 years ago, but your heart should be postured the same. Is this helping anybody? Poor Jesus. Verse 19, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. There he goes again, a God that cannot be contained. And he says, I want you to be filled with the measure of the goodness of God. What is he saying? Let's go to Colossians chapter 2. Verse 9 through 10, and we'll get a better view of what he's saying. Read that with me. Ready, read. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Hallelujah. Verse 10. They're, they're struggling to get verse 10. That's it, verse 9 through 10. He is the head over every power. He is the head over every authority. We hear it in the old King James. He is the full head, fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's how we're used to hearing it. But what they're saying is the fullness of the Godhead is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. And when we hear this, he said that you may be filled to the measure with the fullness of God. He's saying, I want Christ to fill you up. <laughs> I want Christ to fill your heart. I want the Holy Spirit to indwell in you that you realize the fullness of God. Wow. Paul is praying that they will be filled with Christ. Talk about taking a thousand gallon drum and trying to pour it into a tiny teacup. Being filled with Christ changes everything. We have to make room for God. But many times we can't be filled with God because we're so full of everything else. We're full of our popular news channel. Whichever one you want, take your pick. We follow them religiously and make religions out of them. And find ourselves getting angry about stuff we can have nothing or any control over. And we fill ourselves with negativity and anger. We find ourselves angry at people we don't even know. We fill ourselves with gossip. We fill ourselves with all sorts of stuff. And then we say, fill me up, God. And God's saying, I can't. There's no more room. You're full of politics. You're full of news. You're full of yourself. And the only way I can fit in there is if you empty yourself of some of these things. 
some of these things in moderation are not bad, but what is bad is when there is no room for Christ because we're so full with everything else. They asked John, they said, Jesus' disciples, they're baptizing more than us. And he says something powerful. John says, I must decrease that he must increase. My time has come. It's time for me to get out of the way. And he has to move. And I've got to get out of the way. And sometimes we need to say that to ourselves literally. If I want Christ to increase in my life, I've got to look at some of my wants and some of my desires. And I've got to hold them against the word of God and say, God, can I do without this so I can be able to be filled with you? If you were on a sinking ship, what do you do on a sinking ship? The first thing you do is you start looking for stuff that you can throw overboard. I want to throw it overboard because if I don't, I might sink. And in order for me to survive, I need to get this stuff out of me. I need to get it out of me. I need to get hatred. I need to get jealousy. I need to get negativity out of me. I need to get poor, stinking thinking out of me because it's causing me to sink. Paul puts it this way. He says, lay aside every weight and sin that so easily besets us. It trips us up. What Paul is literally saying is that you are sinking and you don't have to sink, but you got to make some room and get all of that stuff out of the way. Hmm. It's a powerful thought that things that take up space have to be moved. When we have that thought that we want to be fooled with Christ, sanctification no longer becomes a headache, but sanctification becomes a joy. Pull up Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Read that with me. What did it say? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I have a pastor friend, and he always says this. He says, hunger demands a response. In other words, if you're hungry, you're not going to be hungry long if you have the ability to change that hunger. If you got some keys, you'll get in the car. If you got some money and you don't have any food, you'll go wherever you got to get some food. If you don't have a car, you'll strike out on your feet to find some food because hunger demands a response. And maybe we're not filled with grace as much as we need to because we're simply not as hungry as we are. We should be. Why? Because he's promised us that if we hunger for him, he will meet the need. He didn't say there might be, or I'll think about it. He said, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you shall be filled. Hmm. This is powerful and overwhelming imagery Paul has given us about being full to the fullness of the measure of Christ. And if you're truly hungry for Christ, You'll make more room for him. You'll start to say, Lord, I know your word says this, and to be honest, I'm a little short. Not literally, I am a little short, literally, but a little short in temper. I'm not short-tempered, but I'm making an example. If you're short in temper, Lord, I need you to help me work on my temper. Or I need you to let me work on something. All of us, if we be honest, have something that we need the Lord to work on, don't we? Lord, I want to be more like you. I want to be transparent 
like you. But, Lord, can you really do it? Well, let's read the doxology. And let's see what Paul says about God's ability as we close a little early tonight. Anybody object? I got some honest people in the house. Y'all going to God. All right. <laughs> now unto him. After he's told them all this stuff that God can do for you. Now unto him. Everybody say now. Now, yeah. now to him who is able, Ephesians 3 verse 20, to do exceedingly or immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine according to his power that is at work where? Within us. So you see how this prayer fits together. I want you to be spiritually strong. I want you to, God, to fill you up with his love and with his strength and with his spirit and with his power. And when he does that and you allow him to invade your life, he can do anything in your life. According to the power that works within us. Well, God, they told me I'd never change. They said I'd always be this way. Why don't you open up and make room for him? You got a spare room with some junk you can clear out? <laughs> you know that room that we hide in our heart that we feel like nobody else can see? Why don't you give him that room tonight? Why don't you open up and let him dwell with you? To him. Be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through our generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Are we allowing God's power to work in and through us for his glory? Tonight as we close, I'm going to stop tonight just like I did Sunday. And we're not going to put on music, but I want you to spend a couple of minutes in silence. And I want you to just be honest before the Lord. Be honest and transparent with them and say, God, I have these problems and I, I need to depend on you more. Will you help me with them? It doesn't have to be something bad. You don't have to be a robber. You don't have to have stole or cheated the government. It could just be, God, I don't have as much faith as I need to have, and I know I don't. Can you help my unbelief? As we go to God today in prayer, let us go. Father, in the name of Jesus, break every chain, break every shackle, strengthen us with spiritual power on the inside. Lord, help us to be honest with you and to make room for you. Come on in and take a seat. Sit in our hearts. You have carte blanche over our lives and our rooms. How our thoughts are decorated and the colors we use. This home that we live in is yours. Purify our spirit. Sanctify us. In the name of Jesus we receive and believe and pray. Amen.